Be confident. Be bold. Be authentic. But don't forget to take action. This is Ordinary to Badass, where our stories empower women to step into the spotlight of their own lives and pursue what they're truly passionate about. It's time to step into the arena and become more than just extraordinary. It's time to become a badass with your host, Marie Sonneman. Welcome to Ordinary to Badass, episode number 81. In this episode, I will be talking to my good friend, Dr. Mike Bechtel. Mike is the author of several books, including People Can't Drive You Crazy If You Don't Give Them the Keys and How to Communicate with Confidence. His articles have appeared in publications such as Writer's Digest, Pastors.com, and Entrepreneur. A frequent speaker, Mike Bechtel lives in California, and you can learn more about him at MikeBechtel.com. But today, you are not going to want to miss this conversation. Like, Mike was dropping value bombs like crazy. I feel like I was writing it down throughout the episode. And then, when I went back to edit the episode, I wrote two pages there alone. Because he just had so many great value bombs, but just like realness, right? I like real actionable steps to take. And Mike provided plenty of those things, things that we can reflect on about people-pleasing, um, different fears that we have that create people-pleasing in us. And then we talked some stuff about confidence. And one of the things that I really loved that Mike said is, if I can become who I want to be on the inside, I don't have to do things to act like a badass. And I think that's so in line with what I think a badass is. And maybe that's why I loved that quote from him so much. Because a badass isn't about the your physical strength. It's not about a weapon or having a leather jacket or a cigarette or having something on the outside to look cool. It's all about doing the inner work. So you won't want to miss this episode because Mike had so many great things to share with us. Um, and I can't actually wait to hear what you thought of this episode. If you love this episode as much as I did, um, please head on over to iTunes and leave it a five-star review. And then if you leave it a rating as well, like leave a comment on there, just make sure to send, take a screenshot and send it to me on Instagram at ordinary to badass and let me know. I want to be able to say thank you. And I mean, I'm just so appreciative of you. I'm appreciative of you and this community. I want other badasses just like you to know about the show. All right, now to the episode. Welcome to Ordinary to Badass. Whether you're ordinary or badass, I'm glad you're here. Today's guest is my friend, Mike Bechtel. Mike, thank you so much for being here. Excited to have you on the show. Well, that's a privilege. I really appreciate it. So before we go any further, I've got to ask you, do you consider yourself ordinary or badass? I've heard you ask lots of other people that. And it's, <laughs> uh, I think I have thought about that before and I think I'd have to say both with a qualifier of defining that I'm ordinary because I'm human. And okay. everybody, everybody has their stuff. You know, when we, when we think of badass, a lot of times the first thing comes to mind is a superhero that has gotten past all that and they don't have the stuff anymore. But uh, too often people feel ordinary and they don't like the way it feels. So they say, I want to be like this. So they start doing badass things, but it's not real there. It's almost like, it feels like I'm trying these things on. Mm -hmm. So I, I have confidence in the inside that I've developed over time to just be who I am. It's that uniqueness. And so that's the ordinary part. Because of that, it gives a foundation to be a badass and actually make an impact. So it's gotta be from the inside out. So tell me about this confidence and how did you develop it over time? It's interesting because that's, I think we all struggle with confidence at some certain stages of our life, usually as a teenager, um, you feel it maybe the most 
like when you're in high school and you want people to like you. And what happens is you don't feel confident. So you look to others to see if they like you or not. If they like you, you feel confident. If they don't seem to like you, or if we believe they don't like us, whether they've said anything or not, then we don't feel that way. And so that's kind of where the whole idea of people pleasing comes from, is that if I don't feel like you like me and I'm dependent on your opinion for my self-esteem, my self-worth, then I'm going to do stuff to make you happy. And I don't have any confidence because it's based on your opinion rather than who I really am. So it's a matter of really learning how to focus and how to develop, mostly being aware, first of all, of what's inside, where my strength is or isn't, and then do the inside work first. So have you ever struggled with people pleasing? Yes, ma'am. Um, usually only on uh, weekdays and weekends. It's, uh, <laughs> it, I mean, it's, I think a lot of us do because we're, when you're, when you're a kid, like a baby learns how to get who they are, they get their self-worth or self-esteem from what other people say. When somebody says, you're such a cute little kid and they're going, what's a cute little kid look like? They look in the mirror and they say, okay. And so they're getting their cues from somebody else in a healthy environment mm -hmm. that's natural. And they learn how to become confident because of what people are telling them. If it's a toxic environment or there's been you know, some kind of stress that's not normal, then they still have the need, but they're waiting for other people to affirm them. If they're not getting it, we have to still get it somehow. So we go out trying to find what can I do that will get people to like me? And so we almost get addicted to it. Mm -hmm. And that can, it, it can be a lifelong pattern. So have, do I struggle with that? I think it's always that underlying default setting that a lot of us have. But that's why it's worth the journey to figure out what that looks like, why we're trapped, how we get out of it, and how we move into a different direction. Okay. I totally want to hear more about the people pleasing, and I have like a million more questions about it. Maybe not quite a million, but you know. <laughs> Got it. Um, but I want to rewind a second to you talking about how you feel ordinary sometimes, but you also feel badass. Can you share a time where you felt like a badass? You know, I think I'm at a place now where it happens a lot more often, but it doesn't feel like it's this big super thing that I've, I, I've conquered everything. It's like I become, I, I've gained confidence in just who I am. That gives me the ability to go out and serve and love other people honestly, because it's about them. It's not about me because I'm okay. I'm not trying to please them so that they will make me feel better. I'm trying to please them because I care. And that comes from that base of the inside. It's almost like, do you remember the old Zenith Television Corporation mm -hmm. years ago? This is, I mean, it's probably back in the 50s, but they had a motto that said, the quality goes in before the name goes on. So it's like, you got to do the work here and that's where you're able to do all the other stuff. So can I think of a specific instance? I think almost any relationship, any interaction I have with people, if I'm not in that interaction to try and get something from it, um, that I can just care about people, it, it changes the dynamic of it. I think that's where the badass part comes in is you can really impact people if you're comfortable with yourself and you, you're real with them. Yeah. And that kind of re reminds me of a prior talk that I heard you give like about influence, um, but kind of influencing, this is my words, not yours, but like influencing from where you are, from where, from your heart, not from what you think people want to hear. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And it's natural because we, we want to be liked. We want people to like us. We want to give them what they need, but I think it goes back to that motive. Am I doing it? because it'll make me feel good because look how I help them and they're praising me or whatever, or by doing it because I really care. Right. It's just, it's a subtle thing, but that motive makes a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. So Mike, can you share with us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, Beyond your badassery? <laughs> I'll, I'll go, I'll go backwards right now. Maybe what I'm doing now and then kind of where it came from. I, um, 
have two main roles in life. I work for a company called Franklin Covey, and I've been with them for over thir about 33 years. And I've spent most of my career doing seminars in corporate settings and churches and other situations. I've done, uh, I've been there long enough. I've done a little over 3000 seminars. So that's been pretty much my career. Um, I also am writing. I've got seven books. Uh, the sixth one is coming out in about two weeks and then another one next year. So that's, it's kind of a two-fold thing because it gives me an avenue to, to express some of the things going on. I was a college professor for about 17 years, overlapping with that. Um, got my doctorate from Arizona State. Got my master's degree from uh, Biola University. I'm an introvert. And uh, most of what, maybe that's why we've been, stuff we've been talking about, introverts tend to think a lot. They... Extroverts tend to think faster. Introverts tend to think deeper. And so I'm always processing. And that's been the basis of all my books, I think, is just that perspective. I don't talk a lot about introversion versus extroversion, but it's like- Maybe that's your eighth coming. book. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You can do that. And I, uh, so I live in Southern California and I've just been on this lifelong journey to, uh, I, I don't give a lot of advice, even in my books. It's more- it's not my journey, you should do it, but it's like, let's go on this journey together. There's some places I can show you the toxic waste and where to avoid and where the, where the best views are, but we're, we're on this journey together. So that's kind of how, that's where I am right now and kind of how I operate. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think where that comes from, like not giving advice in your books or how you go about that. Where it comes from? Um, I think it's it's probably just a lot temperament, but also it's like I really care about other people. And that's where the people-pleasing thing came in because I used to try and find my self-worth through making others happy. I mean, what, that's why when I was in high school, I started getting jobs that were different than everybody else's because I thought if I do something different, people will notice and I'll stand out and they'll think it's cool. First job I ever had, I worked in a morgue in a county hospital. I and know. yeah, well, that's how I learned. I, I always say that's how I learned things about speaking because working with the dead and unresponsive is kind of what happens when you're in front of a group a lot of times. But, <laughs> but I, I mean, I worked in a music store. I did uh, wedding photography. I did uh, a drive time radio show for a while. And all of that was mostly so people, so I get people's attention. But it always was kind of artificial. I felt like if I could do those things, they will like me. But then when it worked and people thought, well, that's really cool. And they affirmed me, I didn't feel like it was me, it was what I was doing. And so that was kind of the struggle over the years to, to move into that. And that's why I recognized that people pleasing was something that I needed help with. So I went to Barnes and Noble and I thought, okay, I gotta find books on people pleasing. There were a number of them out there but every one of them, the focus was you gotta be more into yourself. You have to take care of you. Quit worrying about everybody else. Don't meet their needs, just take care of your own needs and focus on you. And to me in my head, I thought, but it sounds like what they're asking me to do is to be obnoxious and rude and just think about me and be selfish and just ignore everybody else. I thought, but I really like people and I didn't want to go that way. And that's when, I started looking at, is it possible to be able to get past the people pleasing where you are trying to build your own self-esteem from it and actually care about people, but still love yourself in the process. And so that's kind of where the journey took me. So tell us about your book that's about to come out. It's called The People Pleaser's Guide to Loving Others Without Losing Yourself. And it's really kind of the story of that journey is why a good chunk of it is why do we get stuck in people pleasing? Because a lot of people don't have that. But if we didn't get it in the correct way when we were growing up, it sticks for a long time. And you can, we get it into a habit. It's almost addictive where I have to make people feel good. I can't do I can never have conflict. I can never back away because it's going to myself worth is based on that. It's too risky to put anything out there. 
And that's where the book came from. If, if I could learn the struggle, how to deal with it, that struggle and actually become comfortable with myself and be confident, a true confidence because of my uniqueness, who I am, I don't have to be somebody else. I don't, I'm not dependent on other people to like me. That's my job. And so that frees me up to be able to really reach out and be impactful and care about other people and love other people in a genuine way that makes a difference for them. So I can impact people. That's what the book is about. I can impact people in a genuine way if I work on the inside first and get my confidence there. So I was going to ask you, what's the benefit of people pleasing? What's the benefit of leaving people pleasing behind? I feel like you just answered the second part of that question. Um, but what's the first part? What, why do people people? Why do people people please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people pleasing isn't necessarily a bad thing. It all has to do with motive because we want to care about others. I mean, we all have relationships. That's where things happen is in community with other people. Um, when th you get to a different place, when you do it with somebody else, doing it alone is how you go slow. Doing it with others is how you go fast. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to, to, look at it in that way, it changes the dynamic of, of just how things work together. So yeah, people pleasing is okay. It's what I'm doing it for. If I'm doing it for myself, so I feel better, that's where we get in trouble. That's where it's toxic. If I'm doing it so that I really care about other people and want people and want the best for them, that's when it's healthy. Yeah, I was thinking actually um, prior to getting on the call, I was thinking like, I don't care. I don't struggle with people pleasing. Okay. I struggle with people pleasing when it's just me, like when it's about me, but if I'm defending somebody else, then I don't care who I piss off. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, I don't know. I don't know why that is. I mean, you'd think you should have the same standard for yourself as for somebody else. Well, I think there's a lot of dynamics in it. In fact, the the book I have coming out next year is around that issue. When, when you, when should you speak up? When should you shut up? That's not the title, but it's the idea <laughs> yeah. because there's some, there's sometimes when we want to say something and we don't because we're, we're concerned about what kind of reaction we're going to get. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there's times when I need to stand up for somebody else mm -hmm. who can't stand up for themselves. And it's like, but what if I don't have the courage to speak up? How do I change the dynamic so I can actually do it. I think that's important. And in yeah. one case, it's like, I'll stand up. I mean, I'll protect my family more than I'll protect myself. Right. It's like, I really want the best for certain other people. For me, certain things won't be as important. So I do what I need, what I can. Uh, I think it, it really depends on the situation, the person and all those things that go with that. Yeah. That's a little teaser for you. So you know that Mike's next book, what it's coming out um, next year and I want to read it. That's for sure. Um, Mike, what interested you in the idea of writing a book about people pleasing? I think it was a progression because each book that I've written was because it was important to me. And then I, you, what's the next step? As soon as you're done, you hear what people say and what their questions are coming out of it. And because one of my earlier books was just on, it's called how to communicate with confidence. And it was just basic communication skills. And then the big question that came from there was, well, what happens if you're in conflict? What do you, what happens when it gets hard? How do you have those kind of tough conversations? So that, so I wrote one called dealing with the elephant in the room, which is about how do you have, how do you turn tough conversations into healthy communication? This was just a progression because of what people would say. It's like, well, I want to do all this and I want to have good conversations, but I just feel trapped or I feel exhausted because for someone who is, I call them a serial people pleaser, it's just part of how they operate. It because it's almost like an addiction. You can't live without it. And so it's a constant thing. And they feel like almost like a drug addict. It's like, I will never be able to get away from this. They lose hope and they feel like my life is always going to be run by trying to get uh, the approval of other people. And so that's, I think that's kind of where that whole idea came from. So how do you get out of that loop? The it's it's um, I think it's a process. It's not none of this is tips and techniques, and I think it goes back to doing that inside work. 
just first look inside and say, okay, what are the fears that I have about people pleasing? And, you know, why do I, why do I go this direction so often? Find out what's really happening. So to be honest, that can even involve professional help, therapy, to, to think through what is it that's, in it that's trapping me in this, because that's usually the start. I can't just say, well, I'm gonna do more badass things. I'm gonna do less of this other. It means I'm actually going to work on how do I get that confidence? What's, what's holding me there? You have to see it first. You have to know the truth before you can do something with it. Other, otherwise it's artificial. And then that helps me make the choices. Dropping knowledge bombs over there. You have to know the truth before you can do something with it. I like it. <laughs> so I don't know if this is related to the answer you just gave, but you were talking about people losing hope. Like how do you go back to finding hope or hope that you can get out of that people pleasing mentality? And I've got a friend who's a therapist that says that a lot of times that, that uh, one of the emotions that ties in with people pleasing a lot is depression because they feel like I'm not worthy the way I am. I have to put on a facade to convince other people that I'm okay. But when they, you lose integrity, integrity meaning what's real in, inside of me and what other people see, then it's real easy to get depressed saying, I'm just living a counterfeit life. And so this uh, therapist says that depression is one of the only emotions that you can't get yourself out of. You can't talk yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. And, you, and I think about the, the uh, a life of integrity is being able to recognize, you know, how do I pull myself out? It has to do a lot with just understanding it, but then having these kind of conversations and where do I want to go with it uh, to be able to not just get stuck in that. It's that, it's that um, way of dealing with depression, dealing with the, with that feeling that I'm always stuck here. So how do you find hope? I think part of it is to talk to other people and recognize other people have gotten out of this. It's when I'm stuck, it feels like there's no way out. I've been this way for so long, there is no hope. But to recognize, and this comes a lot of times in community, if I try and figure it out on my own, I don't do very well when I stay in my head because it's just me and I make things up that are not true. Uh, That's why it's always kind of a conundrum for me that I write books that show up in the self-help section Mm -hmm. when in my head I realize that's probably the worst way to to work on yourself. You need (laughs) other people and input. I went to Barnes and Noble once with my granddaughter. She wanted to see if any of my books were in the store. So I went to the counter. I said, "Um, could you tell me where the self-help section is? And the woman smiled a little bit. She said, well, that would kind of defeat the purpose, wouldn't it? And so, I went up and find it, found it, but the idea that that's, we feel like, okay, I should be able to do this. If I'm a badass, if I'm strong, I can fix myself. Mm-hmm. You know what? That rarely works. It usually happens. And, and from some of the involvements you and I have been, some of the groups and things, it's like things happen with other people when we do it in community instead of trying to fix myself. And anytime I feel like it's my job, I need to be tough enough to just do this. Well, I'm not tough enough to just do it. We're in this journey together. Right, right. And while you were saying that, um, kind of two things that stood out for me was like your integrity, and this is kind of my paraphrasing, is your integrity affects your feeling of worthiness. Like if you don't feel like you're in integrity or speaking your voice and saying what you want to say, maybe you're not going to feel worthy because you're not um, truly expressing who you are. Well, yeah, and I know I know deep inside that I'm projecting something that's not real. I'm trying to convince people of that. So I'm really being a counterfeit mm-hmm. of the real thing. And I, right. I got a I got a friend who was a bank teller. This is years ago when she went through her teller training. Um, she said they never showed them a counterfeit dollar bill or hundred dollar bill because they said everyone is different. He said what you have to do is study the real thing. It gets so familiar with what a real, what real currency looks like and feels like and smells like that you can spot it instantly. And so they put him in, in the bank vault. They actually locked him in for about three days and they gave him a million dollars in cash and they played poker. 
they didn't get to keep it, but they just played poker. And they didn't even tell them why. And they thought, why? It's fun, but why are we playing poker as part of our orientation? Right. And then they, then they handed them a stack individually of $100 bills with one counterfeit in there. And they said, just feel it and you'll be able to and tell us when you find the counterfeit. Every one of them knew exactly which one it was. Huh. So instead of trying to figure out, well, what are all these counterfeit things? What do I need to stop doing or whatever? It's like, what does real integrity look like? And get so focused on being who you really are on the inside that it expresses on the outside. Yes. You heard it, O2Bers. Stop being a counterfeit of the real thing. Just be yourself, express what's on the inside. Um, and this, the second takeaway that I think that I would say from what you said earlier was it reminded me of Brene Brown and she talks mm -hmm. a lot about like shame and secrecy and yeah. like if you're keeping stuff hidden and in the dark and keeping it all within you without sharing with other people then you're gonna feel like the shame or the guilt or feel bad for it but then when you talk to others about it you realize oh this is normal you know other people go through the same dang thing I do but then yeah. you don't feel so crappy about it. <laughs> Well, and I think if if that shame is in there, I mean, if if we feel like somebody's going to discover us, we do everything we can to hide it. So we're not truthful. We're not real. We hide who we are. We change the subject. We use humor to deflect. We do all this stuff so that people can't really see what I'm feeling. I'm never angry. I don't uh, I never have a strong opinion that would be counter to what somebody else might say, because if I do those things, they may they may find out that I'm actually not what I think I am. And if that's the way I live, it's who I am on the inside now. It's like, I'm just faking it all the time. Mm -hmm. It can't help but leak out once in a while. Right. And if it does, it's like, okay, I just got washed in shame. It was a little thing that they saw, but I feel like I have just been exposed. Yeah. And it's, and I, it's like, there was a book years ago called, why am I afraid to tell you who I am? Uh, and John Powell, I think was the author. And the main point was, I'm afraid to tell you who I am, because if I tell you who I am and you don't like who I am, that's all I've got. Mm -hmm. And so it's a matter of if I could become the kind of person inside I really want to be, then I don't have to do things to act badass. I don't need to try all these different things. It's like, let's just be real. Let's learn how to be healthy on the inside and all the things that go with it. Don't you think some of the congruency or satisfaction comes from though, like when you are on the inside, who you are on the outside, like you express the same thing? Yeah. And I think that's what we're aiming for. Yeah. Is usually if I'm trying to people please, I'm one thing on the inside, but I'm trying to convince them I'm something different. Mm -hmm. But it's, that's what Brene Brown is all about, the vulnerability. If mm -hmm. I could just be real, all of a sudden you're going to identify with my vulnerability it's like oh he's human too if i project an image it's like i'm putting myself on a pedestal so you'll say wow look at him and that just is not real it's uh, we have we have no relationship if we do that right yeah so funny um or i think it's interesting because it's like i struggle with the vulnerability part but yet when i hear it from other people i'm like ooh, i like that <laughs> yeah isn't that true <laughs> we all go there so yeah and no. that's why i said at the beginning when you said are you ordinary or badass i thought i i'm really ordinary and really badass because that's that's so much a part of who we are we all have that stuff in there but yeah. it doesn't mean that we, it goes away and now i'm perfect it's like okay now we can be real yeah so true so true um earlier you mentioned something about serial people pleaser are there different types of people pleasers I don't know. I haven't thought about it that much. It's probably more how we express it. It's probably different for each person because it's, it's what issue is on the inside that we're trying to fix. What, what, what do I need? If I need approval, if I need somebody to like me, if I need somebody to affirm me or those kind of things, I'm going to do different things. So it's probably more what fear or what issue do I have inside that I need to overcome? Like if I need you to like me, that's fear of rejection. Uh, if I need you to not be angry with me, that's fear of conflict. If I need you to, to notice me, that's fear of invisibility. Um, if I need you to affirm me, it's a fear of inadequacy, I'm, I'm not enough, which is why we smile for pictures. 
um, we always want people to see us in the best light, or I or I need you to to need me. That would be the fear of irrelevance, and I think probably each of those five fears is a people pleaser probably lands on one of those primarily that determines what they do. So we have these fears or these needs that we need people to like us, um, need them to affirm us, all these things, but then we start to make assumptions like about what they think of us. Why is it that we're making assumptions of what people think of us and how does that feed into people pleasing? It's, it's so easy to do because if I am kind of on the edge as far as how I feel about myself, then I see you respond to something that I say or that I do, and it may be perfectly innocent. And um, you don't mean anything. You're not even thinking something, but I see, saw the way you looked at me or the way you didn't respond. And I think, okay, if I was that person, I would do that because I didn't agree with them or because I don't like what they're doing. So I put that assumption on that. I assume that they're thinking what I'm thinking. Mm. I mean, years ago, my wife and I um, had a discussion about finances and we weren't agreeing on it. And so it was one of those that, you know, we, it didn't end well, but we weren't <laughs> arguing, but we just didn't feel good. There was no resolution. And then the next day she was really quiet. And I thought, okay, she's upset because of what we talked about yesterday. And then I did all that stuff in my mind she's upset at me because of what I said or what I didn't say. And that's not fair because she's, you know, she shouldn't feel that way. She doesn't know what's really going on. And I expanded this thing. And pretty soon I thought she's just, I I was just furious and I was angry and I thought that's not fair. And, but I didn't say anything. I tried to be cool. And finally I knew we had to do something, but uh, it was later in the day and she was still really quiet. I thought, that's, we need to talk through this. And finally, after believing that she was just angry and everything else, she said, you know, I just, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you not pushing to converse on this because I don't know what I ate, but it just didn't agree with me. I just don't feel good. And it's really helpful that you're not pushing to talk through it. I thought total opposite. I, I had her one way in mind and yeah. it, was, it was totally the opposite. So we make those assumptions and it impacts our relationships. So then I think it's so interesting that we assume that they're thinking what we're thinking. Um, How does that feed into people pleasing? Because if I believe that you're thinking something, then if I think, well, you don't like me or you're not going to like me, if you find this out, then I will change what I say or how I say it, or I'll change the subject. I'll move away from conflict. I'll do it's, it's, it's too risky to do those kind of things. And so mm-hmm. it feeds into it because I'm still manipulating you. I'm still manipulating, manipulating the situation and where it goes. So like if you would have said something or acted on what you were thinking in that scenario with you and your wife and you were thinking one thing and she was just not feeling good, um, if you would have responded to that or... I'm trying to walk through that. I don't know. Yeah, I probably would have, if, if I would have done it in a healthy way and I was thinking that in order to make sure that my assumptions were not accurate, I would simply talk to her. I would ask her. Mm-hmm. I would say, you're awfully quiet. I'm just wondering, is it because of what we talked about yesterday or is it something else? I'm just being honest about it. And that would give her the freedom to say, I just don't feel good. Or she could say it was related to yesterday. We could explore what exactly what, it diffuses it when we have a real conversation. Right. But, but the people pleaser would either, I don't know about not say anything, but they might try to make it better and pat things over. Is that some right? People, yeah. Some people would, would try that. Some people would withdraw from the conversation that, I mean, that was one of my default settings a long time ago. It's just walk away and then hopefully it'll, it'll blow over and we won't have to talk about it anymore. Not bringing it back up. Um, because it's too risky. I, conflict is a real risky thing for a people pleaser. Yeah. My whole thing is I can't risk you being upset because you might not like me. And if you don't like me, I've just lost my source of worth. Yeah, so interesting. Um, earlier you had mentioned something about like getting addicted to people pleasing. Can you talk about that? Well, I think it's because it's meeting a need that we have that we feel we have. 
because all of us have a need to be liked. And I don't mean that in a selfish way. It's like, we, we, you want to care about other people and you want other people to care about you. If you believe nobody cares about you, it puts us in a real empty place. Mm-hmm. So if I have that need, that natural need to have people that care about me and I'm not seeing it get met, then I use artificial ways to go find it. And that means people pleasing. So I would do it in order to go out and try and grab what I'm not getting. And if I do that, and that's the only time I feel like I'm getting it, it's like a drug. I need my fix on a regular basis. And it becomes addictive. It becomes part of just the way you operate. Because I can't imagine not doing that. Because it's like, I'll lose the ability to even feel value. And what that what that makes me think of is social media like people like you get used to people pleasing and getting the likes and then you start to aim for the likes and i mean that's a form of people pleasing i would think well i think the, the yeah i think it's exactly true and the bigger issue that goes along with it is comparison because i look there are very few people that talk about how miserable their life is i mean there's a few <laughs> and you block them but when you <laughs> When you listen to it, when you see what's on there, people show their house is clean. They put all the best things. It's like Christmas letters. People send out Christmas letters and tell what their year's been like. Yeah. And it's like, oh, and, you know, that my son went, just went to Harvard this year and here's what's happened. They never list the bad stuff. I've always thought it would be great to write a Christmas letter that's a real one. It says, you know, well, it's been a rough year. You know, our, um, our son finally got out of jail. His parole officer <laughs> is staying on top of him. He, uh, he broke up with his girlfriend because um, the, the tattoo of her name was misspelled and all the things that yeah. you know, nobody does Real. those kind of things. Yeah. And, right. but I thought, what would it be like if, if a photographer came to our house, knocked on the door and started taking pictures when we weren't ready for them. And so in comparison, we see what other people model homes and we see the life that they have. They never, they always put up the good stuff and they never put up the bad stuff, which makes me, I'm not careful, compare my real life with their contrived life or their, their, uh, the one they put together to see. And so of course I'm gonna feel bad. Social media can be really damaging for somebody that's a people pleaser because they're seeing everybody else feels so good about themselves and look at their life. I don't, so I need to do even more of that. Yeah. Compare and despair. <laughs> oh, that was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've heard it somewhere. <laughs> Didn't just come up with it on my own. <laughs> so how do you recover from that addiction to people pleasing? I think it goes back to uh, recognizing like an, someone in Alcoholics Anonymous standing up and saying, I am an alcoholic. It's recognizing the reality of it and admitting it to yourself and probably to other people especially to yourself, identify what is the issue first. It's like, okay, I am a people pleaser. Why? Because I want people to like me. Why? And it goes back to where my worth comes from. Like if I, I need to go inward and find out where, where, where does my value come from? Where should it come from? And go there instead of trying all the other things to act my way out of it. So what's the balance between going inward and then also sharing? I think it's not so much the balance as the order. Do the inward first. Mm. The more I do the inward, the more it's like you light the match and it's going to take a while the fire burns hotter and hotter. Then you can do something with it, but it has to start with that little match. And I don't have to go in and change my whole life. I think just recognizing it, I think, is there one thing that I could do that would start moving me in this direction? You know, and get somebody else to do it with and to be able to go on a journey, um, a, a real journey where you have somebody to share with. Yesterday, I had a conversation with a coworker, and I was sharing with him some of the struggles that I have had in, in a certain part of my job where I just don't get it. It has to do with an Excel spreadsheet where we're supposed to know everything and I have no left brain. So it's really tough to be able to do that. And he's been struggling as well for the last year to the point that's like, should I stay in this job or not? I'm not doing my job well, but we had this conversation and it was pretty amazing because I had no idea he felt that way. He had no idea I felt that way. Mm. And so we've been able to actually work together just in the last 24 hours 
and come up with a direction and a plan of where we could go. We've talked to somebody who can help us through it. Um, but I'd spent the last year trying to figure it out on my own. So, wow. Yeah, that's powerful because it's like, you can struggle for a year, <laughs> kind of like, I don't remember the quote you said earlier, but you could struggle for a year or you could talk to somebody and figure it out relatively quickly, but yeah, you can go further with people. So something we're often talking about in the ordinary to badass community is confidence. And sometimes we struggle with this confidence um, to speak up or confidence to um, stop getting the approval of others. How do you go about getting that confidence? Um, baby steps. And I, and I mean that sincerely because I, if I don't feel confident, I can't suddenly say, oh, let's see, today is uh, Friday. I'll, I'll be confident today. It's like, you just, it's like telling somebody be happy now. Well, if I'm not happy, it's, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. But people always say, you know, you need to success and happiness is, is outside your comfort zone. You need to leave your comfort zone. You need to get out there and do the things that are, that are challenging and really make an impact to do that. And there's a certain amount of truth to it, but the whole idea of comfort zone is coming home at night, going to something familiar. I go to sleep in my own bed. I eat in my own kitchen. It's like, I need that so that I can restore and go back the next day and do something new. And so a comfort zone, people say, don't stay, get out of your comfort zone. And I would say, no, go to the edge of your comfort zone. And so you're right at the edge and stick your toes over the edge. See what if you maybe step over the edge a little bit and then go back in your comfort zone to kind of catch your breath and recover. <laughs> and do that a couple of times. And what happens is the edge of your comfort zone just moved it's a little bigger because you took that step. So now I have a bigger comfort zone, go to the edge of that and then step over the edge a little bit. I think a lot more comes from taking individual steps. I mean, I can't climb a hundred stairs, hundred steps on a stair in one step. I've got to take the first one. And now that I'm there, I'm in a position to take the second one and the third one. So not to try and become confident in this big swoop, it's like, what's one little thing I could do today that would be a little bit of a stretch, but if I can master that little thing, it can make a huge difference. And so those little multiple steps repeated consistently. Yeah. I, what I like about that is everybody always says, like you said, like, go out of your comfort zone, leap out of your comfort, you know, just keep pushing past. But it's like staying within your comfort zone, but going to the edge feels more manageable like it feels like something you can do like it might it's still going to be scary but it's not so far over the edge where it's terrifying <laughs> well and I think that's why people that take courses or even that listen to podcasts say, I want to be a badass I want to do this I want to be able to, to start my own business and do these kind of things well then they get started they jump out of their comfort zone and they jump in the deep end and pretty soon it's like wait a minute I can't breathe this is I can't do this long-term and then they give up. But if I could go into the steps, one step down, get comfortable and deal with that. It's like, I'm okay with that. What, the next thing is a little uncomfortable. Let's try that. So I think it's the only realistic way to do it is we're gonna, we're setting ourselves up for failure. I think if we try and, and do too much all at once, like what's one little thing I could do today that would build my confidence this much? tiny bit and then go yeah. from there and it's almost like you got to build your runway like the, the runway might not be big in the beginning you know but you just keep adding a little bit to it each time um until you're ready to fly or go to i mean that was yeah. a little bit corny but you know <laughs> yeah yeah no that works um so somebody in the ordinary or let's be badass community actually had asked a question um how do you know the difference between people pleasing and trying to be considerate and respectful I think it goes back to motive. That's the, that's the big issue there, because if we're considerate and respectful, it's something we do to care about others. It's about them. If we do it to make them feel good about us, it's selfish. It's about us. That's people pleasing. So it's, it's something we do versus something we are. So it's, um, and it gets a bigger, people pleasing is actually selfish. Um, being respectful is badass. 
I feel like I need to hear that again, though. Something we do versus something we are. Is that right? I just made that up, so I have no idea what to say. <laughs> oh, friend. <laughs> Either way, I liked it. <laughs> okay, good. Whatever yes. it was. <laughs> so Annie Beth from the Let's Be Badass community had asked, the Bible says you should put others before yourself. I know that I know that should be taken in context of all kinds of other things, but the fact still remains that the rule is drilled in pretty hard. How do you reconcile proper boundaries with the oversimplification of this concept? That's, that's a really, I love that question because it is something that has been put out there saying you're supposed to care about others more than yourself. In fact, in scripture, it comes out of Philippians, the book of Philippians chapter two, I think it's verse three that says, um, in humility, value others above yourselves. And I was taught that growing up in church. It's like, well, other people are more important. Make sure you take care of them. But what people forget is there's two words at the beginning of the sentence. It says, in humility, value others above yourself. And humility doesn't mean you're scum, you're worthless, you have no value. Everybody has more value than you do. Humility means we see ourselves accurately. And what's accurate mean? Um, biblically, it means that God says we have incredible worth. The way he created us, the value. I mean, that's what all of scripture is about, is he says we have tremendous value and he loves us deeply. That's what's real. Now, that's the foundation. That's what I call humility. It's like, if that's real, now I'm working for that place of being able to serve other people because I've got that foundation of knowing who I really am. In that case, and I know not everybody comes from that kind of a background, but that's, if we're talking about what scripture says, we have to take the whole sentence in humility, which means what's accurate. It's God says I had tremendous value. That's my source of worth. It frees me up to go out and really care about other people because it's coming from the right place. Yeah. And I think that you have, or you have practiced humility very well. Um, you are a total badass at selling books, uh, but I don't think you even own it or you, you don't even share it. Like, I, so I think you're very good at being humble, but I think you're also such a badass and I love the books that you've written and the work that you've done. So I think that's um, super cool, just how you're able to just, hey, here it is. Like, let my work speak for itself. So I would like to be a little bit more that way. And I appreciate that about you, friend. Well, I appreciate that coming from you, especially because it means a lot um, that you would identify that. Because I know you pretty well. And I know the what badass looks like in your life <laughs> and what you're trying to accomplish. And it's just good stuff. So. <laughs> Thank you, friend. <laughs> so with that, let's end with a tip to encourage women who are in the arena fighting for the life that they want. And then if you'll share how we can connect with you. Um, just simply, I would, I would go inside before going outside. I would just say my, my journey is not going to be one of trying to do badass things. It's like my journey is going to be one of building the confidence to be do that with other people. It cut so out. Go inside first and use it on outside. Okay. Okay. Um, where'd we leave off? <laughs> I had remembered it and then you kept talking and then I forgot it. So, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, um, the whole thing of do the inside work first before the outside. If I get them in the wrong order, then it's going to become counterfeit. It's not real. Kind of always trying to, to act like a badass. If I can work on the inside and become confident, become, I'll use the word humble, like we talked about from that yeah. scripture. If I can become the real me, that frees me up to be able to do the other. So I'd say go in that order and start the journey, simple, one thing at a time. I love that. So good. Um, it also reminds me, it's not about balance. It's about the order you do it in. And I think that's cool. Um, Mike, how can we connect with you? Uh, easiest way is my website. And I'm sure you'll have it in the show notes. It's just my name, uh, Mike Bechtel, which is B-E-C-H-T-L-E.com. And in this book right now, it's coming out on the 19th. And so we're still building the information. There's not a lot in the website right now about that particular book, but it will be in the next week. 
but that's the best place to stay in touch. Got some resources and um, email where you can, we can be in touch, whatever works for you. Okay, awesome. I will put a copy of your website or a link in the show notes. And then I'll also put a link for your book on Amazon. Um, Mike, thank you so much for being on the show. You've been a total badass and I've enjoyed hearing your story. Such a privilege. Thanks, my friend. And with that, we'll end our show. To all the badass women out there staying in the arena, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, own it and get after it. All right. I told you this episode was going to be so awesome. I hope you liked it as much as I did. Now, I want to hear from you. Do you struggle with people pleasing? I don't know about you, but I have struggled with it for all of my life. Um, Kind of like the camera thing Mike mentioned in the interview. It's like if somebody takes a picture, my thing is to smile, even if I'm not in a great mood. And I don't know if that's people pleasing or just like a habit that's drilled into you from being a little kid, but, and I'm not saying I'm a big picture person, but like, that's just my natural reaction. See a camera, you smile. Um, but that's not the only area. There's plenty areas in my life that I am a people pleaser. As I said in the interview, I tend to get stuck on people pleasing, um, for myself, but not so much when I'm sticking up for other people. So head on over to the Ordinary to Badass Facebook community. Actually, it's the Ordinary to Badass Facebook group. And let me know. Share with us what's one thing that Mike talked about that you feel like resonated with you or that you could implement in your own life. Again, Ordinary to Badass Facebook group. That's where the conversation is going on. Join us today. All right. I'll talk with you soon, friend. Now that you've listened to this episode of Ordinary to Badass, we want to hear from you. Go to our website, OrdinaryToBadass.com slash podcast and submit your own experience on how you took your life from ordinary to badass and get the chance to be on a future Spotlight episode of the show. That's OrdinaryToBadass.com forward slash podcast. While you're waiting for the next episode of the show, wipe off the sweat, dust off the dirt, and get back in the arena.